What's up, guys? Welcome back to The Inner Athlete. This is episode number 31. And today's episode was actually inspired by a lot of the questions that I was seeing posted in a couple of the Facebook groups that I'm a member of in regards to high carb days, low carb days, um, you know, when you should be cycling carbohydrates, if you should be cycling carbohydrates. And I think it was bringing up even topics of like, what is carb cycling? And I just thought it would be a good idea for me to put a podcast episode out there that kind of explained to you guys what carb cycling is and not to confuse it with calorie cycling, which is slightly different. And if you should be using these strategies, when you should be using these strategies and all that good stuff. So before we actually go and get into the carb cycling and calorie cycling, I wanted to just take, take a quick step back and give you guys a better understanding or at least a reviewed understanding of calorie balance and macro balance. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have no idea what I'm talking about, I do have another episode where I break this down. But for those of you guys that have a pretty good concept of this, really this is when if you don't have a good concept of this, you should even be considering carb cycling and calorie cycling. I would start with this step first, but let me just break down some basics for you. So first and foremost, calories are what gives our body energy. It's technically it's a unit of energy. So our body uses calories for a number of things. All of your macronutrients have calories in them along with your micronutrients in smaller doses. So uh, your proteins, your carbs, and your fats all have a large amount of calories per gram. So your proteins have four calories per gram. So if I have 20 grams of protein, that's going to equal 80 calories. Your carbohydrates also have four calories per gram. So if I have, you know, 20 grams of carbohydrates, I've also eaten 80 calories. If I have nine grams of fat, that is, uh, I'm sorry, one gram of fat is nine calories. So if I have nine grams of fat, that's going to equal 80 calories or 81 calories. So you can see how they're slightly different. Now, if you listen to that, fat is over two times as caloric as proteins and carbs. It's also probably one of the easiest things to disguise in nutrition and sorry, in food and not even see it. So this is why a lot of people that are eating out don't understand why they're not seeing results, but we'll save all that for another episode. And I know I've talked about that a ton in previous episodes, but what I want you to understand is calorie or macronutrients make up your calories, proteins, carbs, and fats all have calories. You add them all together, you'll get a set number of calories. So when it comes to body composition, more specifically weight loss or weight gain, when you guys are in a calorie deficit or when you're in a calorie deficit, that means your calories in, aka the food that you're eating, is less than the calories you're expending. So your energy output, meaning the calories you're burning in your day, are outweighing the calories you're taking in. So with that being said, your body weight is going to go down. Vice versa, if you are taking in more calories than you're burning, then you are going to gain weight. This is a calorie surplus. It's also really important to note that those changes from an actual body weight, AKA body fat standpoint, do not fluctuate as quickly as people think. So what I want to say there is, let's just say that, you know, you eat a higher carb day and the next day your weight goes up. It doesn't mean that you just gained weight. It just means that your body's holding on to glycogen stores, water stores. This is when you guys are thinking of actual body composition changes, whether it be body weight, losing body fat, um, you know, or building muscle, it happens over time. So it's also important to take that in, into consideration as you're thinking about these advanced strategies, because one or two days isn't really going to make or break you. This is more about the consistency over time. So you're, 
if you're going to commit to some type of a carb cycling thing, you have to give it a good 12 to 16 weeks to actually be able to see if it's actually going to work for you. So hopefully that gives you guys a little bit of an understanding of calories and balance and, and macronutrients. Now, let's talk about the difference between calorie cycling and carb cycling. And I'm going to start by talking about carb cycling. Carb cycling, so as I mentioned, you have um, you know calories per gram of carbs, calories per gram of protein, and calories per gram of fat. So when I'm cycling my carbs, I'm going from a low carb day to a high carb day. And I can talk a little bit more about the um, the purpose of that in, in a bit, but let me just kind of get you guys to understand and visually picture that. So imagine you have a suitcase that weighs 50 pounds. Okay, we'll call that suitcase your 2000 calorie diet. In that suitcase, you might have toiletries, makeup, clothes, shoes, um, maybe a couple of, you know, whatever it be like your hair accessories or blow dryer, um, whatever it is that you have in your, in your suitcase, your luggage, it weighs 50 pounds. So manipulating the carbs is much like manipulating the contents of that suitcase. So the goal is in that suitcase, if you've got 50 pounds, maybe you wanted to add uh, a little bit more clothing in there, but it's going to knock you over the 50 pound mark. Instead, you would take out some shoes to add some more clothes. It's the same thing with your carb cycling. So if I have 2000 calories to spend, and right now I'm dividing them pretty equally between carbs, fats, and proteins, it might be taking away some fat and giving my body some more carbs or taking away some carbs and giving my body some fat with the calorie point staying the same. So when it comes to actual calorie deficits or calorie surplus, nothing has really changed in your overall calorie intake on a carb cycle. It's just that the makeup of it has changed. Now let's talk about why you would use something like this. Well, if it's not changing my calorie intake and my goal is weight loss and I'm doing this carb cycling to cause me to lose weight faster, I'm going to explain to you why somebody might do this and why, and, and the misconception of what they think that they're going to do. So let's just say, you have been following a lower carb diet for a while. Um, a lot of people will utilize a couple of high carb days to offset that low carb diet. Why would you be using a low carb diet? Well, let's just say you are a very sedentary individual. Maybe you don't work out a lot. Maybe you have a very low tolerance um, to carbohydrates, you're, meaning your insulin sensitivity is very bad. So maybe you have to be on a low carb diet. If your goal is just weight loss and you've got no reason to be on a low-carb diet, I'm going to tell you right now, switch the low-carb diet to a moderate-carb diet and then adjust up or down from there. But we can kind of go into that more individually if you have questions specifically to you. Let's just talk about the masses. So we go on a low-carb diet because we've got really poor insulin sensitivity. Um, we need to kind of bring those markers down for um, better blood markers and or better health. You might want a couple of higher-carb days to offset that. The goal, honestly, with you know, lowering carbs for insulin sensitivity purposes is that you shouldn't have to live there forever. The goal is with some lifestyle modifications, with getting your body more sensitive to insulin, you should be able to slowly start to incorporate more carbohydrates over time um, in the right types of carbohydrates, obviously lower glycemic. So hopefully get your body into a better position to tolerate carbohydrates. So these, these higher carb days can sometimes be used to offset the effects of a low carb diet. Most specifically, it's going to be more of a mental, a mental reset, I would say. I shouldn't say the word reset, but more of a mental break because 
if you live in the 21st, 20, I don't even know what century we're in. This is how dumb I feel right now. 21st century, 22nd, 21st century. What was I even going to say? Um, if you're living now, okay, we all love carbs. Like we like eating tortilla chips and wraps and, and we like eating those things. It's just that the amounts of them that people have started to eat is beyond what they should be eating. So they haven't built in that moderation piece yet. The goal isn't to completely eliminate carbohydrates forever. The goal is to be able to learn how to tolerate them better, both on a physiological and mental perspective. You know, how do you learn portion control? So that's the other reason for it is it gives you that little bit of a mental break. Now, as I said, if you are someone that needs to lose weight and that's your sole purpose for going on a low carb diet, I would tell you right now, abandon ship because for most people, we like carbs. We like we want to be able to eat oats and rice, and and there's a lot of health benefits to that. And if you are doing some form of high intensity training, whether it be weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, uh, even Orange Theory, and some of the other boot camp type training, you need carbohydrates. Not to mention, if you live a high stress job, you need carbohydrates. Now, where can these carb cycles actually be more beneficial? Okay, so let's just say you're not in a position where you're trying to lose weight, or maybe you are, but your main focus is more about a sports-specific performance. So um, I'm going to speak to specific to you guys that are in the CrossFit space. During competition season, which is where most of you guys are at right now as we are in week two of the Open, going into week three of the Open, is your carbohydrates should be a little bit higher because your goal is optimizing your performance. So you obviously don't want to be putting on body fat, but you want to manipulate the macronutrient breakdown of your intake to allow you to facilitate recovery. And not just for one day, you should honestly, for the next three to four weeks, be in a higher carb, lower fat diet to allow for that. Once your season is over, you can go back to a little bit more of a moderate carb diet. But the goal being, you want to be giving yourself the best opportunity to recover. So this carb cycling stuff can actually be really beneficial to athletes. A couple of the other things that are, and I will say there's everything that I looked at has said that there's very little research to support this. But I think one of the other things that people will read a lot about is metabolic flexibility. Uh, and this is big in the endurance community, uh, along with some of the people in the fat loss community as well, is there's this concept or this thought process that if I am teaching my body to burn fat, when I'm in a more aerobic or fat burning oxidative state that, and I don't allow myself to eat carbohydrates, it's going to make me more metabolically flexible to be able to save carbohydrates for the higher intensity stuff or whatever. It makes your body more metabolically flexible, switching between fat burning and carb burning. In reality, there's very little research on that. And even as I'm thinking about that, understanding how energy expenditure works, your body is going to pull glycogen first if it's available whenever you are doing high intensity training. And that is actually preferred because it's a faster source of energy. So for those of you guys that are looking to get the most out of your training and you are lifting heavy, you are breathing heavy, you are getting yourself out of breath and uncomfortable, trying to turn yourself into an oxidative state isn't necessarily going to be what you want. It's not optimal. Is it, what's the word? Is it effective? Yes. Is it optimal? No. We are actually pretty metabolically flexible if we are watching our blood sugar. Our, you know, you can ways to know that you're metabolically flexible is if you're looking at your resting um, blood sugar. I'm sorry, your resting, like your fasted blood sugar, is a good way to tell. If you guys are in a good place, you know, blood sugar wise, this is some of the stuff that's like it doesn't really matter. It's like the 0.05 percent, and like I said, it's almost 
there, there hasn't been enough research to support that it actually does what people think it's going to do. So if you have done research on this and can give me a peer reviewed study, I would love to hear it because I've been looking for it myself. Now, what is something that can go wrong with these carb cycling, uh, or carb cycling scenarios? This is big in the CrossFit world or actually in any of the fitness worlds uh, that you might be in is low carb days on rest days, high carb days on training days, or moderate carb days on training days. This is actually setting you guys up for probably worse performance because I shouldn't say probably is, um, your body isn't utilizing the fuel that you're eating the day of for energy. The day of the, the day of your competition, the day of your training, the goal of your food is more so about facilitating recovery after the, after the training and also keeping your blood sugar regulated so that while you're training, you're not getting a, a big high or a big low. Um, but what actually fuels you for your training is what you've eaten the last 24 to 48 hours. So let's just say Thursday is your, you know, rest day, Friday, you're hitting the next CrossFit games open workout and you ate lower carb, higher fat on your rest day. Guess what you've now done for your first open workout of the year? You literally depleted your glycogen stores the day before, you know, your competition of the year. So it's better for you guys to look at the day coming, not stay in the day of. Now, if you're going into a period of maybe multiple rest days, um, or you're going from a rest day into a lower intensity day, that might be a different scenario. But you always want to remember that what you're eating today is getting you ready for tomorrow. And that's why it's so important to be looking ahead. There's also multiple ways you can do these carb cycles is, you know, there's some people that will do like, you know, maybe two weeks, low carb, two weeks, high carb. Um, you know, there's people that will do like five days, low carb, two days, high carb. At the end of the day, in my opinion, the only people that really should be using these low carb, high carb scenarios or carb cycling are one athletes and in season, they're probably higher carb, lower fat. Postseason, they might be a little bit more moderate carb, moderate fat, and that's going to help facilitate more hormonal recovery. The other the other scenario are going to be people that have some type of metabolic derangement, whether it be um, pre diabetic diabetes or other conditions that their their insulin sensitivity might be um, affected, and that they're trying to improve the insulin sensitivity, and they have to live on a low carb diet. These high carb days can help to hopefully over time. Um, restore insulin sensitivity and also give them the mental break from, you know, obviously restricting carbohydrates for a period of time. So that's carb cycling. Okay. So carb cycling, I'm just going to kind of give you that analogy again. You've got that suitcase. It's full of shoes, clothes, um, toiletries, all this stuff. When you're carb cycling, you might be taking out some of the shoes, adding some more clothes, taking out some of the toiletries, adding some more shoes, whatever it might be, but the total weight is staying the same. And it's the same thing with your carb cycling. Total weight of calories is staying the same. We're still, if you're starting off with 2000 calories, when you carb cycle, you're still on 2000 calories, but the makeup of them has changed. Guys, before I go into calorie cycling, this is what I want you to understand about people that go on low carb ketogenic diets. They're restricting things unnecessarily because at the end of the day, if a calorie deficit is what you need to lose weight, and you're lowering carbohydrates, you're really just lowering calories. So you're better off starting from a moderate carb diet, assessing your tolerance, assessing your biofeedback, 
assessing how you mentally feel, um, you know, essentially feeling or assessing how your lifestyle is working with that, what your taste preferences are, and then adjusting up or down from there. Now I'm going to kind of go into calorie cycling, which is slightly different from carb cycling. And it's, it's going to, it's going to seem like it's the same, but it's not. Okay. So whenever we're calorie cycling, we are manipulating the total amount of calories that we're taking in. So as I said in the beginning, whenever we're looking to manipulate body weight, um, if we are in a calorie surplus, we are going to be gaining weight. If we're in a calorie deficit, we're going to be losing weight. If we're eating the same amount of calories that we're burning, we're going to be staying the same. With calorie cycling, you might be living for a period of time uh, in lower calories, and then you might be bringing them up to higher calories. Um, so let's just, I'm going to use the example of somebody that's in a fat loss phase or trying to lose weight. Maybe their maintenance calories are 2,200 calories and they're going to go down to a 1,700 calorie diet. There is a uh, per day. So there's a couple of ways you can do this. As I also mentioned in the beginning, remember that we're talking about consistency over time, a graphical representation of like eight to 12 weeks, not just one to two weeks. So we want to get more data points. The more data points, the better. Um, with calorie cycling, this person can do this one of two ways. As I said, if their daily caloric uh, needs are 2,200 and they decide that they're going to go down to 1,700 for seven days, that's not calorie cycling. That's just 1,700 calories, seven days a week. With calorie cycling, this person can maybe go to 1,500 for five days and put themselves in a little bit more of a deficit. And then maybe they're taking that extra 200 calories that they are supposed to be doing daily and they're adding that on to two days. So they might get, you know, 1500 calories for five days and then maybe 1900 calories for two days. Something like that can be more of a calorie cycling. They're still in a calorie deficit, but they now have manipulated the amount of calories that are, that are taking in. That's one method. And there's obviously lots of methods for this and lots of different um, ways to apply calorie cycling. There's also calorie cycling where a person might be in a deficit for five days and then maybe maintenance for two days. And this is just five, two. This could also be two weeks of calorie deficit, two weeks of calorie maintenance. It could be three days of calorie deficit, four days of calorie maintenance. There are so many different ways to do it. But essentially what you're doing is you're changing the average over time. And it's the same thing you're doing with the carbs. You're, you're changing your average carb intake over time. With this, you're changing your average calorie intake over time. And this is, I think, what most people are more interested in than necessarily carb cycling. I think that they look at carbs because, and I'll explain this in a second, because, okay, I have to manipulate carbs to lose to lose body weight. They need to manipulate calories, but carbs and fats are the two macros that you're specifically going to be adjusting when you are adjusting calories. So with calorie cycling, it just, there's, there's actually... I would say that there's more benefit to calorie cycling than necessarily carb cycling for the general people, for people that aren't elite athletes or aren't training for a specific reason, um, or for those of you guys that aren't in some serious metabolic derangement type of a condition, because it can sometimes play to lifestyle. It can play to your personality. Um, you know, so, and, and it's more of a mental thing than it actually is a physical thing. There is a, per there is there is, once again, small amount of research on some benefits of calorie cycling as well um, and how it can affect you know, weight loss over time. But more so specifically, 
mentally, it can make it a lot easier for people to adhere to a diet if they know that there's a means to an end and or it's easier to be uncomfortable knowing that there's a day coming where you're not as uncomfortable. So first things first, you're always starting off when you guys are doing any kind of a cutting or building, you should be starting off by making small adjustments to your overall calorie intake. You never want to dive in, you know, like you're jumping into a nice bath. The goal is to make it not so noticeable in the beginning, but what happens is over time, as your metabolism adapts, you have to keep lowering things down and suddenly things get a little bit more uncomfortable. And at some point you're either going to need to get out of the pool, as I like to call it, um, or maybe just take a little break. You know, so it's important for you guys to look at your calorie cycling as a means to hopefully allow you to diet a little bit longer, allow you to cut a little bit longer, allow you to work towards your goals without having to take a massive break or getting any of the negative effects of being in a calorie deficit. Because at the end of the day, guys, when you guys are in a calorie deficit, you are trying to manipulate your body weight. Your body does not like that. Your body sees it as, hey, like what's going on? As I'm losing tissue, it's making me feel like maybe I'm going to die. Like it is it is the first thing that happens, right? So your body's going to try and prevent that. So the calorie cycling, um, like I said, there's many different ways that you guys can do it. Um, but before I kind of like start diving into, you know, the, the benefits of calorie cycling, let's start by just, and honestly, I shouldn't say before, I guess I already have, is let's just kind of take a stop for a second between this like carb cycling and calorie cycling and go back to what I mentioned in the beginning. And that is like the basics, right? Like, do you understand calorie balance? Do you understand macro balance? Okay. The next thing is, is if you guys are looking at these advanced strategies because you've seen plateaus or you're not seeing any progress, it's important that you're checking the boxes off of the things that you guys need. And I'm actually going to put in the show notes, a list to my fat loss checklist. Um, I'm sorry, a link to my fat loss checklist, because that might actually help you guys out. Now, at the end of the day, my, my methods with my clients is very strategic and scientific and measurable because I want you guys to be able to control your results. So that might seem like a lot of work, but at the end of the day, it's really not. It looks like a lot, but it also makes sure that you're checking all the boxes so that when you're looking at these advanced strategies, and maybe it's not just carb cycling and calorie cycling, maybe it also is things like intermittent fasting or going into a ketogenic diet or even trying a low carb diet to begin with. So checking some things off the box is like one, have you been keeping a food journal? Do you actually know what you're eating? So if you're, if you're looking at one of these strategies and you're not tracking how much you're actually taking in, these strategies don't mean, they don't matter. You don't, you don't have any idea. And I don't mean like loosely saying, oh, like, yeah, I had a chicken sandwich uh, for lunch. That's about this many calories. Like, no, actually getting an idea, a clear cut picture of like your caloric intake, your macronutrient breakdown on the regular basis, because you might not need either of these things. You might just need to look at basic overall calorie balance and energy balance. So for instance, myself, I'm an elite athlete. I'm in season right now. I don't really have to manipulate my calories any because I've been eating this way. I don't have high carb, low carb days. But for some people that maybe they are in a cut, they might be bumping up carbs now because they were coming out of a cut. That's a different scenario. So are you actually keeping an accurate food journal? Meaning, do you know what it looks like to weigh out four ounces of chicken? Do you know what it looks like to have a tablespoon of peanut butter? Do you actually log everything that you're eating somewhere, whether it's in a food journal, whether it's on an app? Because if you haven't been doing that consistency for at least four to six weeks, chances are that's where you should start. And then from there, you should be probably manipulating calories and whatnot on an overall seven-day basis, not necessarily day by day. 
and I'll talk more about where that might not happen if you're more of the specifics on calorie cycling. So you, so you can check that out the box. You've actually been tracking your food. You've been weighing it out. You're like super dialed in. You know that. Okay. Making sure that you're getting in enough fiber. All right. So is the makeup of your diet, you know, low in fiber, low in nutrients and higher in just like the macros. Right. So the next step for me is always like looking at like, well, how much vegetables are you getting in? How much lean proteins are you getting in? You know, if a person's eating every thousand calories, you should be getting at least 10 to 15 grams of fiber. Uh, next one is water intake. So I'm going to be looking at how much water you're taking in. Um, and then I'm going to be looking at things like your sleep, your stress, uh, your training, your non-exercise activity, all of those things. So if all those things are checking the boxes, you're in a good place. Now we should start to dive into this. And I will say taking a step back is let's just call that 80, 20, right? So like 80% of the time, all those check boxes are hit. Like every once in a while, yeah, you're going to have a meal out with your boyfriend. You're going to obviously skip water and take one day because you had a couple of drinks and whatever, like whatever things might be um, changing, it's happening less than 20% of the time, if not less than 15 to 10% of the time, depending on where you're at in your weight loss journey and how much you have to actually manipulate. And this actually goes for carb cyclers too. If you're an athlete and you're looking at these advanced strategies, even intermittent fasting and things like that, if you don't know what's going in, manipulating it does not matter. So start there. So if, if any of those you've not already done, start there, like make sure you're checking all the boxes. All right. Now we can go into the calorie cycling stuff. Now, if you are trying to cut and you're like, man, I'm not seeing results, there's there's two different applications I'm going to give right now for calorie cycling. One is lifestyle situational. So a lot of times I'll use calorie cycling for my clients who they might have a vacation coming up. Um, you know, they might have, you know, social gatherings uh, maybe once or twice a week and they have to have higher calorie days to allow them to be a little bit more flexible those days. From a flexibility standpoint, to keep that person seeing results, I can build those days in as a calorie cycle to allow them to still do those things and actually work towards their goals. Another application for um, you know, the calorie cycling is for that person who maybe they have been dieting for a while and I've dropped their calories and they start to plateau. The first thing I'll do is before actually dropping calories more, I always look at how much they're actually taking in. I will typically try and give them one or two higher calorie days. And when I say high calorie, it's not a lot. It's probably like hundred to 150 just to like take the edge off. Sometimes that drives more activity. Like you become a hyper responder. You start moving more cause you have more energy. Um, and it could also metabolically affect things a little bit and obviously get things moving a little bit faster. So those are two applications for, um, calorie cycling. Now, carb cycling, um, another thing that I just kind of wanted to mention too, that I didn't really mention earlier and it's kind of out of place, but whatever, I don't really care. Um, is that when it comes to carbs versus fats versus proteins, and obviously going back to my fat loss checklist about fiber is there is a thermic effect to the foods that we eat, meaning that some of the foods we eat require more energy to digest than others of the three macronutrients fat is the one that requires the least amount of energy to digest. It takes the longest to digest. It's a little bit sluggish. So when it comes to actually getting more, um, overall caloric burn, just actually from the thermic effect of food and digestion, a person is better off being on a moderate carb to a higher carb diet, lower fat diet, higher protein diet, um, because there's more of a thermogenic effect. This is also why a lot of, um, obese, um, populations or very significantly overweight 
will be on a higher protein diet. It keeps you satisfied longer. It's more satisfying and it is going to be the hardest for your body to break down. So there's a lot of effort that goes into that. It's going to cause more of a caloric burn. Also why a lot of sedentary people will be on a higher protein diet. So when you're trying to figure out what your macro breakdown should be and you're leaning towards a lower carb diet, remind yourself of that because the carbohydrates might actually be the preferred thing for you over the fats. Once again, carbs have four calories per gram, fats have nine. So you're going to get a lot less calories there. Um, and this is all the stuff that people don't really know because you're, you're being sold by so much of what media is putting out there about low carb diets. And, and the reason why they really work is one, I think that they're somewhat easier for people to uh, be compliant with from a simplicity standpoint. So rather than telling you to actually take the time to learn what's in your food, just eliminate a food group altogether makes it easy, right? Well, I'm just not going to eat that. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like taking a pill without actually figuring out what's wrong with you while you're taking it. You know, you have a headache and you've got this chronic headache. You keep taking Advil at some point, you're going to have to figure out why you got the headache, right? It's kind of what happens when you just cut out carbs. You're, you're putting a bandaid on a bigger issue. Um, so that's really important for you guys to think about when you are choosing your macronutrient balance. Hopefully this episode helped you guys out a little bit. Um, I was super excited to kind of talk about it. I could go on forever, but if this did resonate with you and you actually have more questions about it, I would love to hear with you or hear with you, hear from you. Um, I'm super passionate about helping you guys. That's why I have this podcast. I don't get paid for this podcast. Um, and honestly, sometimes I, I feel like I judge myself because I don't like to listen to myself talk. And I will tell you, I don't listen to these again. I, I record them. I say, whatever it is, what it is. They either like it or they don't. Um, but if you do like it, <laughs> let me know. So shoot me a DM, um, post it in your Instagram stories. Even if you can shoot me a review, um, you know, whatever, subscribe to my podcast, whatever you can do to let me know that you're listening. That'd be awesome guys. And I'm looking forward to week three of the CrossFit Games Open. I hope you guys all have an amazing day.